Good morning. This is Paul Donovan, Chief Economist at GBS Global Wealth Management. It's 7 o'clock in the morning London time on Tuesday the 2nd of November. The COP26 summit on climate change continues, but with China merely sending a note and actual action plans still scarce, there's little expectation that this is going to save the world or do anything that markets will care about. The expected pledge to halt deforestation today is a worthy aim, but it's being made without any mechanism to enforce it. From a financial market perspective, the main impact of this summit is likely to be the proliferation of genuine pledges and less genuine greenwashing undertaken by corporate and private investors. Even that rush to demonstrate corporate worthiness is of limited impact, as the lack of clear common standards for sustainability means that spin is likely to triumph over substance. Nonetheless, the private sector does have an important role to play in climate change, and in the absence of convincing government leadership, it's naturally here that attention is likely to focus. In the interminably tedious EU-UK divorce, the British and French are still at the stage of slapping each other around the face with wet fish in a dispute over fishing licences. The best that can be said is that the situation has not escalated. The argument itself is of supreme unimportance to either economy, but it does rather underscore a key point. We are entering a period of significant structural change and disruption in the global economy. Economic nationalism and irrational posturing are likely to be more common in this situation because scapegoat economics and prejudiced politics is a common reaction to the social and economic upheaval of structural change. So whilst the Anglo-French dispute may seem like an entertaining sideshow, it could also be viewed as a lightweight example of a more sinister trend for investors to contemplate. Australia has become the latest economy to move towards a tightening of central bank policy, with the Reserve Bank of Australia abandoning attempts to control the yield curve by keeping three-year bond yields low. This should be thought of as a variation of quantitative policy tightening, as it removes a commitment to potentially inject liquidity into the system, rather than a monetary policy tightening. Indeed, there was a commitment to keep monetary policy interest rates low. In the pandemic, there was a surge in demand for cash liquidity, as developed economy consumers saved money in physical form. Now that those savings are being pulled out and dusted off to be put to work in the economy, demand for that physical liquidity is fading. An independent central bank should react to that by scaling back actual or potential liquidity injections. That's all for today. Have a good day. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.